0: My name is Ashley.
1: My name is James.
0: He's in recovery for drug addiction, and I'm navigating my own recovery in relation to that. Now that I started my blog to share my story, I think it's time for us to both share to continue helping others and shedding some light on the world of addiction. This is Speak Up Together. Do you think that was too wordy?
1: Yeah, but you're always too wordy, so that's just kind of how you are.
0: (laughs) All right, welcome back. So this is... Part two of kind of getting to know us, getting to know him, James. And last week, actually two weeks ago now, because we took off a week for you know Mother's Day and we just got busy. But last time we ended off with finding out about Nudie. I say Nudie, that's her nickname. <laughs> Our daughter's name is actually Stella, but we call her, for the most part, Nudie. So at the time... We were living at his brother Dan's house, and I think that's pretty much where we left off, was that we were living in his house, well, technically his backyard. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so um, I guess we'll just go off from there, because at the time, you know, like you were sober, we were a little, we were a little out there. But once we found out about nudity, that's kind of where things like that's where we really changed. sobered up. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so, so there was the whole shock of the fact that we didn't know that my brother's house was had turned into like a trap house, and if you don't know what a trap house is, um, I define that as basically just like a drug house um, with random people just you know being in the house some people just staying there for weeks at a time
0: yeah because there was like roommates that actually lived there but then there was also people who would just like come in and out and yeah like <laughs> yeah they just kind of
1: wandered in and out and would sleep on the couch and um yeah so it was uh it was quite crazy and then at the time which you know I thought my brother was like you know had a a general I guess you'd say like He was in charge of the situation. He was not because he was like not really mentally there. He was he would be up for days at a time, and he would randomly fall asleep. You know, just like be talking to you one minute and then just knock out because he had been up for days. And then yeah, while we were there, this is only within like a month of us moving there, and we had already like quit our jobs and everything, and that's where we you know decided we were gonna go. Because we just wanted to make a big change in our lives. Um that's that's basically when we figured it all out, we were already there, so that was like okay. And honestly, I didn't necessarily care that much because I kinda felt like we were just gonna do whatever we did anyways. But it was it was about a month into that that we found out she was pregnant and yeah. And then there was the whole part before that. So actually before we moved in, I would uh occasionally I would feel like this energy coming from your abdomen and I'd always make jokes that she was pregnant and that there was a there was a baby because I could feel the energy coming out and it was like it was a magic like if like if you had like like a swirling like if you had like a you know when you like let the drain out at the bottom of the drain and it swirls like a little tornado. <laughs> like it was like it was like that, but energy coming out of her abdomen, and I could feel it, and like see it with my eyes. If like not, I don't see it with my actual eyes, but if I close my eyes, I could like visualize it. And I just kept saying that I thought there was a baby because it, it also kind of felt like heat, but it wasn't like I'm not talking about like on the skin. It was like this energy. I would feel it in my arm, and in my hand, and yeah, I just for whatever reason I thought it was a baby. I knew it was a baby, but every time I bring it up to her. Um, she would just get mad and kind of took it as like a joke. Um, but apparently I was right because <laughs> I was doing that for like probably a month. Yeah. Before and um, I mean at the time I just kind of thought that it was just part of all the different weird senses I was having. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. I don't know. I didn't take it too seriously. But then when we actually found out she was pregnant that was a uh, very sobering uncomfortable time
0: yeah because i mean like we were not i mean like i don't want to say we weren't stable because like we weren't like completely crazy we were just i guess just living off entirely like spontaneity yeah and like just on the whims of whatever we felt like at the time which you know
1: spontaneity doesn't work well with a child coming into the world
0: Well, yeah, and plus, like, I kind of feel like things were not really going that well for us anyway, so it was kind of like something that really, like, looking back, it really helped us to get, like, back on track, I guess, in a weird way, in a very, like, prolonged way, but yeah, I really do, like, feel like that, and at the the time when we found out, I was, like, terrified, so I was, like, very against the idea at first, but after a while, I mean, I kind of, like... I guess like relaxed into it in as much as I could relax at that time. <laughs> and so after we found that out, obviously our living situation was not good for a baby. And that was the time that you reached out to your parents and then we ended up moving in over there to your parents' house who um they were in the same area just not the same city. But to me, I mean, it was all the same area to me because I was not very familiar with you in a valley at that time so yeah so then we ended up moving in with your parents and I mean honestly like
1: it was it, nice to move in over there compared to my brother's house
0: well yeah but that I was just gonna say too like honestly I don't really like remember a whole lot like it kind of seems like a blur I do remember like vague parts of like you know like birthday parties and and stuff like that but yeah I mean that, that moving in with them was um that was when I actually got to know your family a lot more obviously because I was like living with them in the same house but <laughs> um so yeah that was like I feel like that was like a big part in um us all getting closer
1: and this was 2015 so this is like what August or July or
0: yeah like the late summer Yeah. late
1: summer of 2015 I just remember when we moved to my parents house I remember like because I was su- at the time I was super sensitive to like the 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 en- like the environment of a room and stuff. It was very I was very obvious to me. It was like something that like like the smell or the temperature of the air to me would like coat the room. Like even the way I saw it, I remember the rooms being very cold and smelling really good.
0: Well, I that's how like. I never knew what a swamp cooler was before I moved oh, out there. Yeah, it was great. So now whenever I smell a swamp cooler, there's just a particular smell about them that when you finally turn them on after you like, you know, activate them or whatever after you had them off for the winter or whatever, I that I immediately think and it brings me back to that time when we moved in because we moved into this and uh, in, during the summer and they had the swamp cooler on, and it just has this particular smell. So whenever I smell that, it just brings me back there. And every time they would turn it on every year, it would always make me think of that. Kind of like how we have the air fresheners from when we moved into our apartment, like in the laundry area. So whenever I get a whiff of it, I'm like, oh, you know, it just makes brings me back to when we moved in. And it's not a particular memory. It's just a time, I guess, like a time period. So that's why I always think of the swamp cooler. I think of their house. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then, like, when all that happened, like, I was in the mindset of, like, becoming, like, a nomad and, like, just traveling in a van. (laughs) And I was, I was not, like, I was not mentally in the zone of being able to, like, go back into, like, normal everyday living. Well, yeah, and and it
0: was, like, society, too, like, getting a job and, like, getting all, you know, like, all those things that were i guess in a sense like things that tied us down before to our other way of like living
1: yeah so i was like i was it was like a huge clash because i had been moving in one direction and feeling so free in doing that so the realization that i had to like move back into a normal life i i feel like it almost instantly brought on like depression for me so i feel like i Very quickly after we moved there, I, like, sunk into a huge depression. And then on top of that, I had to go back into that life and then at the same time be ready to have a baby.
0: Yeah, and I just remember that one time when you had first gotten your job, like, the first job you had after that, and you came home and you were just, like, very, very upset. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't know. It was just, like, a sense of, like, just dread. And it made me depressed because, like, I didn't want to see you unhappy either, but...
1: Oh, yeah, just, we didn't have a choice. Yeah,
0: it was just a crazy time. But like, I don't know when. How did your relapse happen, like during that time period? Because I don't remember it. I just remember like, I know it happened at some point, but I don't remember like what brought it on or what started it or if I even knew at the time or like how any of that happened.
1: Well, remember, so okay, so when I when you know, a lot of times when I would separate from use from using drugs again is I would like very strongly avoid the the specific drugs that caused me the original issue, so for like you know after my xanax binges as a teenager, I avoided xanax for like you know, I don't know four or five years, and then didn't take it during that time and then for this period of time when before when you were pregnant and stuff, I was like you know I would avoid both opiates and uh, and xanax, so I at that time i was just kind an alcoholic, I would just drink wine every day.
0: Okay, were you also smoking weed, too? Or was that...
1: My mom told me I couldn't smoke weed at the house. And I think I, I don't think I smoked weed during that time. Cause she, just, she specifically told me. Okay. So I don't think I was smoking weed at that time. Um, I was taking Kratom. I know I was taking Kratom.
0: Okay. Because I remember I, I used to... Like, I would go on and off with Kratom. Like, I would think... That it was like helpful to you and then there was other times where I would just be like incredibly against it and if I ever found out you were doing it I would get like really upset and so I guess I never really at the during that time period I never really knew what my actual stance was on it
1: well the the, <laughs> the only stance there really is was that I was either having mental issues or I wasn't so it's it's like it, it really I feel like it really came down to mental health when you're having mental health issues um whatever you're doing can be can be unhealthy because you because of your underlying mental health issues. So I was like, I was you know I was depressed. So when you're depressed, it doesn't. Really, I feel like whatever you're doing isn't really the cause of your issues. It's more the symptom.
0: Yeah, because even then, like or now, if, when thinking about like what you used and stuff, like I would never classify you really as an alcoholic. But at the time, there were time I, periods where you would actually abuse that, and you were an alcoholic for a while. But I feel like you know overall your kind of like vices of choice I guess, uh, were more like, you know, opiates and stuff. But
1: Yeah. <laughs> my 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 like so 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 during this time, two thousand
0: fifteen. Yeah, two thousand
1: fifteen. Yeah. So I, I actually I think I did end up using drugs because when Nudie was born I was I was on drugs. Yes. Um I I mean I wasn't heavily using drugs at the time, but I know that when Nudie was born I was coming I ran out of drugs.
0: Well, yeah, because you had told me that, like, okay, you know, like... I, I had
1: Suboxone at the house, but it was in the backpack, and we couldn't get it, and your and your mom never left the hospital. So I was stuck at the hospital. I mean, it's not her fault. It was my fault, but... <laughs> yeah. But, but so at the time, but what, it, what really frustrated me was that when we had went to the hospital that I rode with you guys in the car, not knowing I would be stuck at the hospital, your mom would never leave for anything, for food, for, for anything... And so, all of my stuff was back at the house, including my Suboxone, which would have made me relatively normal. Instead, I was a blubbering mess, and I was sick. I was sick at the hospital, and on top of that, I mean, all the attention should have been on you, but it was on myself because I was sick. Yeah. I was not well.
0: And so, like, I guess it, like, kind of took me a while to, like, get over that, because we've had conversations about that, you know, like, with the whole, like, labor and delivery thing, because obviously, like... I mean, I know like real life isn't anything like a commercial or a movie, but I did, it did take me like a while to accept that things, that things happened the way they did because it wasn't like, I guess like the ideal situation with all that and everything. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like really stupid, but I feel like everything, like all the little, like, arguments or all the little weird situations or all the little or even like the big things that happened they all ended up working out to be perfect in their imperfection I guess in order to cause us to become the people that we are right now which is like I I hate saying that because it sounds like such a cliche but I mean yeah like that situation wasn't ideal and like moving in and like having that whole like uncomfortable kind of like awkward stage wasn't ideal like at the time but it did help us to get where we are right now and it did i'm really happy that it did allow us to get a lot closer with your family because then like it really helped me to go through my difficult times with you because i did have the support of your family too
1: yeah um i'm gonna go go back a little bit so before before new was born cuz so i'm i'm just remembering this now how it transitioned but yeah i would drink i would drink wine every day that was like my thing at the time and that was really just coping with depression cuz i not i was never really a alcohol drinker to begin with but when i would drink wine a lot of the times i would i would um get to a point of the wine drinking where i would want to get drugs and that would happen all the time. Where I was, when I was drinking, I, would, I was, like, about to call somebody to get drugs. Not, that, I don't even know if I knew anybody that had drugs. But, like, Dan's neighbor, I knew him. So I think mm. I was going to call Dan's neighbor or something. But every time I didn't do it, I'd wake up the next day and I'd be, like, so glad I didn't do it. And I'd be, like, that was so stupid. Why was I thinking that? <laughs> I was, like, um, but, yeah, at some point, probably when I was drinking, that I, I did get opiates. And this was in 2015. So I guess I did relapse during that time because I don't I mean, I relapsed when I started drinking alcohol, but...
0: Like, relapsing into, like, the drugs.
1: Yeah, relapse into the drugs. And I think it was the when I started drinking, and Brandy had, like, a, a wine party with her friends. She always had oh, friends come over, and yeah. they would drink wine. And yeah. then there was something called port wine, and I've never heard of port oh, wine.
0: Oh, I forgot about that. But
1: that was the best thing I've ever drank in my life. It was great. It was uh, 20% alcohol. It was like It's Brandy and... Not my sister, Brandy, but Brandy the, <laughs> Brandy the Liquor and uh, wine. And uh, I remember drinking that, and I was like, yeah, this is great. But I used to always get the really cheap. It was like... It was two like Two-buck Chuck? Two? No, I never got two-buck Chuck. You <laughs> always say that I got two-buck Chuck. You
0: called it that as a joke, and I never actually knew like what that was. It was like from Trader Joe's. You got some wine that was like $2 or something. Well, two-buck Chuck, chuck always... is from
1: Trader Joe's, but I I bought that before. I just didn't like it. Oh, so I always got the the Merlot from Walmart. It was like two twenty eight, <laughs> or I think sometimes it might have been cheaper than that. It was, yeah, it was really cheap two twenty eight, two forty eight for a whole bottle of wine, and I would drink like like a like a bottle or more of wine every night.
0: Jesus, I didn't know it was that much. Yeah, <laughs> dang. And then, and
1: then after oh, after a while, I would drink a bottle of wine, and then I would have a few shots of liquor.
0: Oh, oh, that's when, like, you would have, like, the little bottles of Fireball. No, well, that maybe was, that was just, like, one That time. was later.
1: Know. That was, like, 2018 oh. my mom. I actually became an alcoholic again at that point. I actually went to the hospital. Well, we'll get to that. Okay,
0: okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but back at this time, like, back before Nudie was born and around the time she was born, you worked at Walmart, so that probably gave you access to, like, alcohol and stuff because you would just buy it when you were at work, and I wouldn't know, so then it would just kind of, like, make the process a little bit easier yeah, for your I, part. Yeah, I,
1: I did buy it at work.
0: But, yeah, so there was all that. Oh, God, I was going to say something, and I can't remember. But, anyways, at this time was also the time that we found out that your mom was sick. And so, like, I don't know. I'm assuming that that – because that kind of came into play at various times, too, I think, you know, whether you're trying to, like, cope with that or at least deal with, like, everybody else's stress and being uncomfortable and stuff, I'm sure, had an impact on that, too. And, plus, we were, like, you know, living with her and – yeah, I mean, did that have any kind of, like, like strong impact on that? Or was that just, like, coincidental that it was around the same time and, and things like that? Because I think you mentioned it before, but I just didn't know, like, how... I don't,
1: I don't think it did. Maybe when she was, like, in her end stages. I still... I mean, I still... I feel like I'm lying if I say it did. Because I feel like I would have been drinking or doing drugs either way. Okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it was just something that I was like, I don't know, because I know that like, for all of us, it was like, you know, hard and, and everything, but, but yeah, so I I can't remember what I was going to say, so I'll just move on. But yeah, so um, when I had nudie, I stayed at my parents' house for a couple weeks because I had no idea what I was doing.
1: <laughs> it was a couple weeks.
0: <laughs> or at least one week.
1: I thought it was like three days.
0: I thought it was a week. Okay, okay, well, whatever. We were there for some So then, of time. So
1: then, the, so then did <laughs> I leave and go back home and go to work?
0: I thought you did. See, that's what sucks, is that my memory is so terrible from there. But, um, but yeah, I maybe you did. I could have swore I stayed there for a while. And then we eventually came back to your parents' house, and my mom came with us. And she stayed there, I thought, for like three days. She stayed up in the Antelope Valley with us and would come over during the day and help me out and stuff. But then... Um, but yeah so then after that when it was just like quote unquote us on our own which really we weren't on our own because we lived with this family and they helped a lot but that was when i another thing yes another thing that didn't help your drug use was the fact that things got really weird between both me and you in a relationship as a couple and plus the relationship with me and the rest of your family because before i had nudie um you know it was normal i was normal you know like I, i got to know them a lot more living there and,
1: um, you didn't seem depressed,
0: I didn't seem depressed. I was kind of like you know, holding on to things pretty good, but then after we had her, i i get I'm assuming I had postpartum depression because you definitely did i was i know but I don't like I never got diagnosed, but i
1: you didn't have to
0: I was really bad. I thought about like dying, like I would never actually do that, but I did think about it, and I just thought about. You know, basically all the, all the you know, typical things that you think about when going through a, a tough time like that. You know, you think that everybody else would be better off without you, and, you know, you just don't want to live anymore, and it just impacted, I'm sure, well, that's the thing. I don't even know if I would have been like that if, let's say, we had our own place and things were stable and stuff. I don't really know, but I know that, you know, given the fact that everything was the way it was, I kind of felt a lot more down about things than, you know, I'm assuming I normally would because I was sad that like things were so stressful with having a new baby, but also like being in a situation with your family because I was just so anxious that like if she was crying, I didn't want to get on anybody's nerves, which is like just really funny because your family is like super nice, but I, I just had that own my own like I guess mindsets about it was that like I didn't want her to cry because I didn't want to like annoy anybody because I felt like we were already imposing because we live there and then now we have a baby and now she is crying and now you know like what if I need help or like I was very very rigid in my schedule of like okay she needs to take a nap and like everybody you else is making noise you wouldn't and let like,
1: anybody interact with her for well yeah and i was six months of her life and i
0: was like super overprotective of her not because i didn't trust your family but like none of this stuff makes any logical sense it was just how i was where i just like i always had to be holding her and like i didn't want anybody else to hold her or like you know like babysitter or anything like i was like completely completely opposite to how I was before which drove like a huge wedge between me and your family that took a long time to finally fix but but yeah I would be very anxious about her things like her thing like her toys and stuff had to be put back in like the same spot and like away from everybody else and people couldn't touch them and it it was just a really it was a really bad time and for you having to deal with like me was difficult enough but have like, having to deal with me in relation to your family, you you kind of became, like, a middleman, peacemaker, communicator, negotiator, like, all kinds of stressful things because, like I said, like, you kind of had to, like, bridge the gap. Like, oh, you know, like, my family doesn't mean anything wrong or whatever and trying to, like, talk to me about that and then try to talk to your family about me. Like, oh, you know, she's just going through a tough time. Like, I don't know why she's like that. And, like, I, I know that that didn't help anything either. So that was, like, I'm sure that was really stressful for you
1: you at know, like some points I said to give up and be like honestly I don't even know That's just crazy <laughs> i like I just uh, sometimes I just couldn't I couldn't and I feel like I, that at no point in time up to then did you and I have such like strong disagreements about what was like real and what was actually going to be happening it was just so it was really yeah it was really hard I never really thought about it I haven't really thought about it since but it's yeah it was like it was just because, like, I felt bad for my family because I could feel, like, their pain because it was like, what do you mean? Like, the baby's living here and we, you know, are here to take care of the baby or do whatever we can to help. And they kind of feel like they're giving the cold shoulder. It was just like, yeah, it was hard. It was hard for me to try to make everybody feel good. So I'm sure that I'm sure that all of that on some level um, led to my mental health. I'm I'm almost positive of it.
0: Yeah. And I remember too, like, it didn't start to get better for a while because I feel like nudie was not big, but like not a newborn when things started getting better. And I remember I would, I was this one argument that I had because I didn't like her sitting on the table in the living room because I felt like it was like rude to your family because like I wasn't allowed to sit on the living room table at like at my house when I was a kid. Like I don't know. It was just like a weird, a weird thing I had. So, I never liked her sitting on the table. And your mom had her sit on the table, which, you know, logically that would mean it was fine because it's her table. But that was just like a thing that was happening at the time. And I was like mad that she was on the table. So then I ended up going into a different room and I called your mom back there. And she thought that I was going to get mad at her, but I remember just asking her for help. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I just need help. Like, can you, can you, like, help me? I don't know what I need help with, but just like, not with the baby necessarily, but just with me personally, like, I'm not okay and then i think that was when things kind of started to get better because i was finally able to like say like hey i'm not okay like there's something wrong with me and i know there's something wrong with me and i don't want to be like this anymore and i think that was the turning point because that i remember that that situation that conversation like more clearly than anything else (laughs) and i'm pretty sure that's when things started to kind of turn around but i don't I don't think it was like night and day, but at least I started like working on things because I also remember that situation with your sister that we still talk about to this day because it was just so embarrassing for me. But I remember Nudie was a little bit bigger. I don't think she was a newborn, but they were all over at the house, like your sister and and your kids and everything. And um, they were going to go looking for a fifth wheel and they were going to leave the kids there, the girls, your nieces. And I remember... Like, oh, you know, like, it's okay, we can leave them here. And they were all talking and stuff. And I remember, like, making, like, a fuss about it. Like, oh, well, you know, of course you could just leave them here because I'm the only one that's here. I'll watch them. And I made it super awkward. I made it, like, super awkward and uncomfortable. And I don't know. I just remember that story because it was just so uncomfortable and, like, embarrassing. And I can't believe that I did that because now I love watching them. Like, I'll watch them whenever. Like, it's not a big deal. But back then, like, just the, the huge divide that there was between me and your family was just like crazy and so I just you know if if when things weren't good with you and I was like in my head like alone like it was just like a really hard time for me too because I felt like I didn't have anybody to talk to you about anything that was going on with you because I had in a sense isolated myself from everybody whether unintentionally or not I mean I feel like it was you know dealing with my own mental health issues and stuff but I kind of did it still because I thought that that was like for some reason the right thing to do I guess I don't know that whole thing is just it's confusing to talk about because I didn't want to be like that but it's like I couldn't stop being like that until I finally asked your mom for help and like knew that it was something that I had to like actively change because if I just kept behaving the way I was doing it then like it wasn't going to change on its own it would have just gotten worse
1: yeah I I remember just like Everybody would be like laughing and talking and the second you would walk on the front door Like the whole attitude in the house would change Everybody would stare at each other and you would be like yelling at things and commenting on things It, it was really weird And then like after like after you were home for a little bit Then everybody could like crack a smile again because then you would, got comfortable again But yeah I just remember like a lot of situations where like I don't know it was weird because I felt like you would be like you were like could be on good terms with everybody, on a normal situation. But like if if you had to come in from a new situation, like coming back from work or whatever, then like to reacclimate to you or you to reacclimate to everybody else was really is a really tough learning curve.
0: Yeah, because yeah, like I could get comfortable in different situations, especially if I was like on my own in a sense. Like obviously, if I was at work, I wasn't by myself. But just having like a situation where I was by myself from like everybody else because I guess too like even though I was like you know looking back and even now and back then too I know I was like thankful for everything just living there was almost like a sense or almost brought with it a sense of like resentment to where it was just a reminder of how things weren't normal for us I guess you know, like I didn't. I wanted to be like on our own and have our own environment and have our own place to have, you know, our kid and raise her and everything. And to, so to like be stuck there, in a sense, was just it like it took me a long time to get over that. Like, yeah, a for long me, time. It was the opposite. It was
1: like, oh, thank God we have a place. We don't have to pay rent. Well, we did pay rent, but we didn't have to pay that much rent. I was like, oh, what a blessing. Yeah. You was the <laughs> exact opposite. And on top of that, it was a blessing because we you know, we didn't, we had all these people around us that would watch nudity, which we wouldn't have on our own. And at the time, I don't think I was mentally capable of supporting a uh, single, you know, like supporting a family uh, on my own.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Let's see. Cause I, I don't want to keep,
1: I, so yeah, I mean, we can move on from, from this year. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it was, I think it was the next year. Yeah, it was the next year, 2016. Oh, no, she was born in 2016. Yeah,
0: 2017 was the next year. So like, No, 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 it was 2016 oh.
1: then, because I went to rehab then.
0: Yeah, so that, you went to rehab, I think...
1: She was three months.
0: Did you go to rehab in to Lancaster, detox. or did you move there after? Because I remember you being up there, because she was a baby, and when we took her to go visit you.
1: So that was 2017. Okay. So in 2016... So, so, when she was born in March, I was using opiates, and then I'm trying to think of how it all okay, so three months after she was born, I think I was just taking like oxycodone and stuff um and then I went to detox.
0: Was that at Tarzana? Yeah. Okay.
1: But that was yeah down below. I remember it was like it's like Father's Day when I was there.
0: Was it? Oh yeah, because I remember. When, she, when
1: was when's Father's Day?
0: In June, because she quote she quote unquote yeah, gave you it was her Father's card. Day. I remember she gave you a card. So maybe it was like before you left that she gave you that card.
1: Um. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah but i think i'm just trying i'm trying to remember cuz it was the next year that i was on oh okay so it was the, it must have been 2016 that i went on methadone maintenance Oh, yeah, because remember
0: we had to go to my parents' house for, like, a doctor's appointment, and you had to figure out how to call the place, like, a different place to give you, because you couldn't have take-homes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so this whole period, this is why, like, originally I was so against, like, Suboxone and methadone, because I'm like, well, you could abuse it before. Why would you not abuse it now? Like, I don't trust that kind of, like, Kraton. Like, you can't just take that on its own. Like, you you haven't been able to do that in the past. Why would I trust you now? And it, it became, like, a huge thing where I was, like, really against all that kind of stuff for a long time.
1: Yeah. Um So, so okay. So 20 This I remember this is what happened. So 2016 I I was taking um I was take I was spending a lot of money on oxycodone and we didn't have a lot of money. So that wasn't good. Um and then I went to detox for like 5 days. I might have been taking benzos too. I don't remember. I could have been taking be, be, benzodiazepines again. I don't remember. Um, even if I did take them then I would definitely wouldn't remember <laughs> <laughs> but I remember specifically that time I was in detox I was gonna stay for like the actual rehab but I remember like I would talk to you on the phone and you were like telling me that I needed to come home and need to know what you're gonna do and I was just like I was so internally just destroyed I wasn't I mentally capable. I mean I was I wasn't I didn't feel good inside the place so I wasn't I was depressed, I was anxious, I was more—I'm probably more anxious about going home than I was about being in the rehab, because I, I, when I got there, I was like, I don't know how to be a dad, I'm depressed, I just feel like I'm a useless human being, I feel like I'm probably better off if, like, I don't go back, I feel like I'm going to give them, like, false hope that I'm going to be somebody that I'm probably not going to be, and then... When I would talk to you on the phone, I remember like for a little while you act like everything was fine, but then towards the end of me being a detox, this was only like five days or six days, you are basically saying that you needed me to come home and what were you gonna do about money and all this stuff. And I was just like, okay, oh. I'm just gonna go home. I didn't want to go home. I was not ready to go home at all. However, I, I went home like the first day I got home and like a mental breakdown and we like took me to the doctors and-
0: Oh yeah, I, I vaguely remember that, yeah and yeah
1: that was not good <laughs> I think I must I must have been coming off of benzos because I I wouldn't get like that so I must have been taking Xanax
0: yeah yeah that's crazy
1: so that was 2016 the nudity was 3 months okay yeah and I yeah I was, I was not a mentally well person at that time but I came back I went back to work um, and it, I don't even think it was, like, a week later, I think I was smoking, I was smoking heroin, and then, um, I called my doctor, I remember, like, they didn't even want to deal with me, so they were like, just go to the methadone clinic, <laughs> I was like, okay. Is
0: that when I had to wake you up at, like, a certain time to make sure that you got there, or was it? No, that was, like,
1: 2019.
0: Oh, dang, okay.
1: <laughs> um, so... The funny part about okay, so the funny part about this whole situation, I go to a detox. I'm out for like a week. I I smoked heroin for a few days. If you don't know, heroin and oxycodone are very similar. They're not quite, not exactly the same, but they're both opioids. Um. Yeah, so I only had it for a few days, so I didn't have a tolerance yet. I wasn't, a, I mean, I wasn't like dependent yet. I was just I had used it for a little bit. So I told my doctor this. They told me to go to the methadone clinic. The minimum, I want to make this very clear, the minimum dose they start you on methadone, like you can't go to the methadone clinic without being on 40 milligrams. And just to be clear, 40 milligrams is equivalent to like 20 to 30 Vicodin. Or, you know, like maybe like 16 to 20 uh, Percocet. So when the minimum dose you can start with at a methadone clinic is like taking... 20 Percocet or you know maybe 16 Percocet all at once so it's it's very strong dose because they're usually getting people off of like heroin which is much stronger so at the time it doesn't matter how much heroin I was using because I was just smoking a little bit of heroin just to make myself not feel depressed really um the dose of methadone they gave me to start out had me higher than the heroin for sure. I got uh, the effect of being high off the methadone for like the first month or two, so yeah, I was totally good being on the methadone because I didn't have to pay for it, I didn't have to scrounge money, and I didn't have to run around town looking for it, so, and this I'm, this isn't, I'm not being anti-methadone, there's, I actually don't think there's anything wrong with somebody going on methadone when you're... Actually, using and you're addicted to heroin. Going on methadone can actually make you still be sick and still feel really bad. So it doesn't necessarily. I'm not saying this is the case for everybody.
0: It was just your situation.
1: My right? situation was that I had I hadn't been using anything for any period of time at that point. So going on the methadone, um, yeah, definitely was. It was very. It was a very strong recreational dose to start on methadone there. So. Yeah, I went on the methadone, and um, once the, you know, the allure of it wore off, which again, in most people's case on methadone, it starts out them being sick, so it's not like it's this like, oh, well, they feel this gr- that great, but for me it was. So after that wore off, after I don't know a few months, I mean, I think I, I started uh, taking like stuff with it, and then the whole cycle started all over again. Um But yeah I remember listening to like that album You got me on the way to the Methadone clinic every morning I would drive there uh. every morning And it's funny it was just like I was When I was an addict to like Poppy CT or whatever I did the same thing With the methadone you know I would wake up First thing in the morning I wouldn't eat breakfast and I'd drive all the way to the methadone clinic Get my methadone then eat breakfast And I always did that when I did drugs Like when I did the poppy CT i would I would drive you know all the way there, uh, sometimes it'd be till noon until like I got the opium tea, but I wouldn't eat breakfast, and then once I had the drug, then I would eat breakfast and everything would be fine but yeah, after you know three months of being on methadone, you don't feel anything from it anymore, and you know now i mean now being on on a suboxone maintenance, which we'll get to, it's not like that like it's doesn't, it doesn't doesn't feel it's not the same at all it's completely different. Where I do I do actually still notice that there's a positive effect from from taking it. It doesn't just blend in. But yeah, I, I got back to being really depressed again, and I was on methadone. And I was thinking, like... I think I had them, like, raise the dose up a little bit. Which, it doesn't matter at that point. I mean, it's, like, in your bones. The half-life of methadone is, like, 40 hours. So, it's in your bones. It's in, in every part of your body. It's... There's no... It doesn't matter if they would have given me double the dose. And I actually think I did that before where you could like save a dose and double it up or whatever. Because they give you take homes. So sometimes oh, I get a yeah. take home for the weekend, and I would just take two doses. It literally it, it wouldn't do anything other than make you more sleepy, but it had no positive reinforcing effects. There was no point in taking a double dose. Yeah, methadone is crazy. It's a crazy drug. It's really strong. It's a really strong drug. But once you're already on it, there's You're not going to be able to get, get high from it, that's for sure. But, um, so I was on it for like 10 months into 2017. And then at that point, I think I was just like, I think I was, I don't know if I was doing meth, but I was probably doing everything again, but I know I was taking, I think I was taking Xanax and meth on top of the methadone. Dang. So I think I was doing. I think I was doing like Adderall, Xanax, and meth on the methadone because it's like this uh, this triangle. Um, when I would use drugs, in my brain was always this triangle. Like the perfect triangle was always a benzo, a stimulant, and an opiate. So it was like the you know like the the your triangle of needs kind of thing. Yeah. Um, once I had the opiate in my system. Then all I needed was the benzo and the stimulant, so, so that was always when addiction goes to where addiction goes. You'll notice that it always ends up to being where people, they they're on that triangle. For some people, the alcohol lies in that triangle. I didn't have alcohol in my triangle. If I was ever using drugs, I never used. I didn't like to use alcohol with it. But for some people, it's alcohol, opiate, and you know whatever. But so. I knew that situation was going to end really bad, badly. Nudie was, like, one years old at this point. And this whole point, I'm just living my life normal. So, I mean, we had our normal everyday lives. I'd come home from work. And everything, you know, seemed I, relatively normal. I don't think... Um, it not like I was out doing out doing drugs. I would just...
0: Yeah, because you, you never really did that. You were never one to just, like, leave and, like, do drugs. Like, and just, like, never come home or whatever. Like, if you never came home, it was because...
1: You were, like, at the hospital. Or there was that
0: one time when you were living with that old guy. But that was because...
1: That was because I we, I told you that I was doing drugs. Yeah,
0: but it was never, like, you just, like, disappeared and, like, things were fine with us. I'm Like, where'd you go? Or whatever. Like, it wasn't like that. Or you never, like, went and partied or, or things like that. It was always very, like, solitary. And I feel like, from my perspective, you just did it to, like, exist.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just... I really just would would take take drugs so i could actually take on the living of my everyday life i i mean i was miserably depressed and i feel like uh the the drugs would give me relief from that and they did i mean they definitely did to up until a point until i then i was you know collapsing at the seams trying to keep the drug use going
0: so when did we start seeing brandon Brandon's our therapist. We actually still have him to this day. <laughs> but we started seeing him a while ago, probably around this time if you knew he one t- 2017,
1: yeah. yeah. Um so I'm just trying to remember it all, but I just from okay, 2017, I was on methadone. I was using meth and I was using Xanax. So I might have been taking oxycodone on top of it. I think I might have been doing the oxycodone on top of it. Actually, you know what? I think I was smoking heroin on top of it. So, yeah, I think I was Actually, you know, I was doing everything. No, yeah, I think I was. So, because I rem- I think I remember when I went in there, I tested positive for, like, a lot of, like, almost all the drugs on the test. But, yeah, so I was on methadone. Um, I was smoking heroin on top of it, which gives some effect, but, I mean, it... The methadone, put it this way, the methadone I was on was much stronger than the the amount of heroin I was using. Um, And then taking benzos. So, I think when I was, like, getting, I was, like, I think I was, like, two months. Where I was, like, two months of using, like, all these drugs every day. That's when I was, like, okay, this is, like, going to end really badly. And I always knew, especially when you're using benzos, it always ends really badly. So, yeah, I was using meth and Benzos. And maybe heroin, I don't can't remember, and methadone for for two months straight, and that's when, um, I think that's the point that I um, that I w- went to that old guy's house and I went to Dan's house because I told you that I was using drugs again.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And that's when you went to your uncle's. It's 2017. Oh yeah,
0: because we had just gotten back from my parents' house. Cause we because um, at the time we only had one car, so. I would go to my parents' house and then they would drive me up halfway to Palmdale and then we would meet up with you and then you would bring us back. So at that time, I had just gotten back from my parents' house. You drove us back and you said that you were like on a bunch of stuff when you drove us back. And uh, then you told me, and I remember being really upset because I'm like, okay, I just got back. I have nowhere to go. I don't have a car. I'm just stuck here. And then yes, then my uncle came and picked me up and then we stayed over there for a while, and I remember um, I remember packing boiled eggs, because Nudie was really little, and so she was just kind of starting out on solid food, and she would eat boiled eggs, and so I remember bringing those. And I remember your aunts texting me, too, that night, like, are you okay? Like, uh, you know, I heard, you know, what happened, I hope everything's okay, and I remember just sleeping on the floor of um, one of my, I guess it would be my cousin, one of my cousin's rooms, and just staying over there for like I don't know, like a day or two or something. And I remember when we drove away in my uncle's truck, it was playing that uh, that Lucas Graham song because <laughs> that was That's like was that to. was the time, yeah. So they was playing that Lucas Graham. Oh, the no, one? No, no, no. Actually, no. I take that back. It wasn't the Lucas Graham song. It was that other one where it's like um, everything goes comes back to you. You remember that one? You know it if you heard it. But it, it wasn't Lucas Graham. It was like, it was like one of the One Direction guys or something. It was some guy with an accent. Okay. And there was this song that you had always said, like, reminded you of me or whatever. And that was playing in the truck. I remember thinking, like, it was like a movie. Like, of course that song would come on right now.
1: Yeah, but. I um, I remember. So I remember that. So, the weird part is, that I'm thinking about all this. Yeah, I was, I was using all those drugs and heroin on top of the methadone. So obviously the methadone was not working for my situation. <laughs> Apparently. i'd been on it for 10 months at that point so it's 10 months of daily methadone and i was you know 2 months into to using the tri- the triple triangle the uh, heroin um i was i would smoke heroin and meth uh at the same time just put it all together on the foil and um i would take benzos to really help the anxiety of the meth so there was that and then when i told you I think I texted you, and I remember... I, cause I, my, I don't think my phone at the time, it didn't have service. It didn't have internet, so I had to go to... I was at um on Avenue I at, the, <laughs> at a gas station. Not a gas station, sorry. Uh, Starbucks. It was like in a Viarda or 99-cent store parking lot. Starbucks. And I was connected to the Wi-Fi there, and I messaged... I parked so that my Wi-Fi would work. And I just, had picked, up the, I just picked up a pookie <laughs> from a smoke shop, and I told you that like you wouldn't I think I said something like you wouldn't want to be with me anymore or something and you were like like why you know. and I was probably sitting there anxious and then you like knew. oh here it comes well no I think you like you had knew and then you didn't even I didn't even tell you I couldn't even tell you you had to like basically say it's because you're using drugs again um uh. and then so at that point I think I just like shut off my phone and disconnected it and yeah then,
0: I don't think I was able to reach you
1: And then, um, so I went to this old guy's house. He's actually dead now, but he had cancer at the time. And I would get my, um, I'd get my, uh, they're called Roxy's. I'd get the Roxy codons from him. But um, since he was a cancer patient, he was opiate tolerant because he took Roxy's. So um, him and this old lady, I don't think they were married, but they lived together. And um, I went over there, told them, you know, what was happening. And yet my fiance fiance had found out I was doing drugs and that I needed somewhere to stay and they were fine with it because I just gave them drugs so
0: well I remember didn't I think that you were out with? yeah you so
1: when you she <laughs> did text me again because my texting phone had service it was just the other one that didn't have internet so she texted me and ask if I was with girls or something with a girl or with girls I said because I assumed. N- I said like- no like I'm with like two old people <laughs>
0: Because I had assumed that, like, for some, even though you've never been like that, like I just assumed, like, oh well, because, like, I'm not cool with you doing drugs or something, like you're gonna go off and find somebody, because that's that's just been, like, one of my like.
1: But like we hadn't even we didn't break up or anything. So no! I don't even know, I don't even because know Because that's that just one of play. my
0: my strange things where like, you know, because I guess because of like how everything was before we got together and then how quick it was when we did get together, I just had this fear that like eventually you would just like wake up and be like, "Oh, you know what? I don't want to be with you anymore." Like that was a phase or something. So I just had this this immense fear that you would eventually leave, which again came back into play like at the very end. Which is when I finally, like, I guess, got over that. And then... But we'll get to that later. But, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, the crazy part. Something that I feel like nobody will believe, but I'll say it. I actually think my use of meth saved my life at this time. Because that particular day, I was so distraught over you, you know, having to tell you. Because, like, I couldn't hide it anymore. Because I was just acting a fool. I was starting to act a fool at that time. Um, I took somas. I was on methadone. So, First off, being on methadone and taking other drugs is extremely dangerous, just by itself. Methadone, any other drug, very dangerous. I was on methadone and Xanax, which that could kill you by itself, but I also took somas. I took quite a few of them.
0: Those are muscle relaxers, right?
1: Somas, there's a muscle relaxer, but it, you're, it's a pro-drug. Your body converts it into, it's called mephrobate or meprobate, but it's a barbiturate. So, it converts to barbiturate, so I was on a barbiturate, a benzo, heroin, and methadone, and methamphetamine. So I'm pretty sure the methamphetamine keeping me awake prevented me from going to sleep and dying because I probably they probably because that that
0: had happened a few times where I had like stayed up all night to make sure that you kept breathing. I did that a few times before that point. And I remember being, like, really terrified when I would, like, micro-sleep because I thought that, like...
1: I'm- I was going to micro-die.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, because I had slept for so long that, like, oh, my God, I'm, I forgot to wake you up or keep you breathing, but it was, like, two seconds, but...
1: Yeah, so... So I was at these old people's house, and... I th- thought I was going to stay there. Or maybe I did stay there all the way till like, early, like, in the morning, but... I think I'm so. Trying, so I'm trying, I'm just confused because at one point I went to Dan's though. Let's see the Dan's is house. Is that
0: when you went to? Oh, I was gonna say, is that when you went to? Um. Dan. Oh no, that was Dan's house because I remember that one time you went to Dan's room, but that was a different time when he lived.
1: Yeah. So I went no. to I went to Dan's, uh, the the place he was staying at, and uh, when I went there, I, I fell asleep on his toilet.
0: Oh that's for right. hours.
1: So he would I remember I would go I would go in the bathroom and I would sit down on the toilet and I blinked and then Dan was knocking on the door saying, Hey, are you okay? And I was all mad and I was like, Dude, I just got in here. He's like, Dude, you've been in there for an hour and I was like, No, I haven't And then um I went back in his room and I would talk to him for a little bit, and then I like went back to the bathroom and then I guess I was in there for like hours, like five hours, I fell asleep in there. In the toilet, so I was really, really out of it. Yeah, that was bad. Um, and then, then the uh, eventually, I think it was the next day. I don't know, I decided I was gonna go to rehab, so went back to the house, and then I was decided I was gonna go to detox, and this was really bad because being on methadone for for 10 months and trying to come off on a detox is really really difficult you have to i think you have to be on like a minimum of 40 milligrams a day so i think i was on i was on like 35 milligrams a day at that point and yeah that was the hardest or i'd say one of the hardest detoxes ever to come off of the xanax the meth and the methadone oh my god i I slept for... Even though I slept for five days, I was just so weak. I was so weak. I couldn't... I was, like, one of the weakest people in the detox. And this is a detox in L.A. with, like, really sick people. I remember this one, like, you know, crackhead guy had to, like, hold my tray because I couldn't... I was too weak to stand and hold my tray. And, uh, yeah. I was just really... was really sick that time.
0: Well, and say, like, We never visited you in detox, because that's like, you you can't do that. But, you know, when we would come and visit you in residential and stuff, like, you would still be in a place where most of the time you were, like, tired or kind of just, like, trying to get back to whatever normal was. But I remember, like, you know, I would always think that you would just, like, not want to hang out with us or whatever because, like, oh, we must be bothering you or, oh, you know, whatever, because you wouldn't, like, be excited to see us. But... I I just always forget, you know, like, I just take, I would take things so personally because I'm like, well, how would you not want to see us, you know, like, how you, you know, you haven't seen us for so long, and blah 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 but, you know if I don't see it from your side, too like, you know that's just something that I know, like, a lot of people kind of, like, internalize and take personally, is that, like you know, like, how would you not want to see us if you have been doing all this stuff, and now you're, like getting back to normal, and you're just, like, t- so tired you just want to take a nap, but It takes a toll on you. And I feel like my inability to, you know, start my own healing or whatever, as cliche as that sound, or, you know, at least have a little bit of empathy or whatever, kind of, you know, it made the whole process of you doing your own recovery a lot harder. You know, because I would still be so resentful and I would still be so angry and I would still, you know, have my own ways of emotionally undermining you and stuff, so... I mean, I I know now that I could have handled things a lot better a lot of the time, just in my own things. I know, not, obviously, nothing was, like, anybody's fault, but I could have helped that. But I was still so, I was still so in the mindset of, like, well, this isn't my problem. This is your problem. You know, like, you're the one who's doing the drugs and stuff. But I had a lot of work that I had to do, too, in order for for us to, you know, get to a place of being more stable but I was at this time still like kind of a long way away from realizing that
1: yeah I mean we were both a long way away from I was a long way away from you know being able to hold on to sobriety or even mental health you know hold on to like a decent mental health and I feel like so were you yeah because you're all of your I feel like all of your recovery about was about me instead of being about you
0: yeah like okay now you're doing this like okay you need to make sure that you because i was in charge of that too i would be in charge of like meetings like okay well you need to do you know one meeting every single day and okay here's a printout of of the meetings that are in the area do you want to go in palmdale or do you want to go to lancaster do you want to go to na or aa (laughs)
1: depending on what drug i needed that day whether i would go to palmdale or lancaster
0: like, oh, okay like do you want us to drop you off like i could take you to make sure that you go like oh do you want me to hold your hand don't (laughs) don't drop me
1: off it's not gonna work
0: can I meet your friends? Do you want me to, to, to like, you know, coordinate, like, you hanging out with some sober friends? Except don't do that because I want you to be with me the whole time. Like, how dare you go do things with other people? <laughs> so, yeah. And then, like, every time you got out of, like, rehab or detox or whatever, I feel like just naturally you would just, like, go and hang out with Dan. And so for a while I was always, like, like a background mad at Dan, even though he didn't do anything. But I just saw him as, like, well, why do you keep you know taking him away and and going on a hike with him like he should be home with his family and like it was really stupid but like you know i i thought things like that like you should be coming to see us first even though like it was probably like one time that he was like hey you want to go on a hike you were like sure but i just created like this whole giant story out of it and like like how could you do that we should be like your your first and foremost thing and blah 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 and
1: yeah i I remember like i'd be like out at the end and then i get like a text from you like, my whole demeanor would change, and, like, the whole vibe with Dan would go down, and I'd be like, dude, I gotta go back, I don't know, like, asking going to go back, or something, and then I'd be like, okay, yeah, he's like, I haven't seen you in a long time, like, All right.
0: yeah, and so it was just little things like that, where I'm like, you know, and I would think that I was in the right, like, you know, even after I calmed down, like, well, you know, like, what, what's wrong with that, what's wrong with you? coming back or whatever and like i would act like you had just like been gone for like days or something and you were gone like what like an afternoon or something like i that's what i'm saying like a lot of things i would just create a story about it It would be one event that in itself is not bad but i would just have this whole thing and then i'd probably tell like your family about it because i was like getting closer with them and like you you know they would help me to kind of like I don't know, piece together my thoughts, and you know, I'd be like, well, how could he do that? You know, like, blah, 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 blah. And I would just, you know, tell anybody who would listen. But yeah, which didn't help things either because then, you know, I would always be the first person that's like, oh, he's acting weird again or, oh, he's doing this. And then I would kind of like set you up for failure because I would tell everybody else about all these things that you were doing, which could have been something you were actually doing that was bad or it could have just been something that I just magnified and started adding details to and embellishing to make it look good in my favor. And, you know, just a mess.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we do the same thing to each other. We're like, oh, Ashley's acting crazy again.
0: Because I was finally, you know, getting, like, starting to piece together everything. And I'm like, hey, hold on. Things aren't right right now. I think you're acting weird. And I'm like, no. Or just like Easter.
1: Well, no, I just, I'm not even talking about actual events. I'm just saying oh, just we like were both. You know put our argument against each other To my family But you could say he's acting weird again He must be doing drugs And I'd be like she's acting weird again She must be crazy again
0: Yeah oh yeah that's true
1: Regardless of what was actually happening Yeah But um Yeah 2017 was just like a Like a depressing year to me I felt like the the methadone Like just did a toll On me I remember when I was in detox They told me that I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel normal again for a year I was like y'all crazy Year. I I still don't believe that. I mean, I don't. So I don't feel like it, like maybe not feel normal for a year. I feel like I was relatively back to normal after like the first month, but then I was back to my normal uh, self, being predisposed to depression and stuff.
0: Yeah, because we would still do therapy even when you were sober, and then I don't know if this was the time when we started going by ourselves because we would have the same therapist, but we would go like like if you were in detox or something I would continue with the appointments or sometimes you would go by yourself if you were dealing with things on your own that you didn't want to talk about with me around or whatever um but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I mean, obviously I feel like it helped on some level, but sometimes All right. So podcasting 101. Make sure that you know when it's recording because we just talked for probably like 30 minutes and it wasn't recording anything. <laughs> so so yeah. Um from point that we just left off at to now let's go ahead and pick it up so
1: i'll hold hold the mic this time okay um all right so 2017 uh that was when i got back from from detox and uh they had detox off the methadone and then from 2017 to 2018 i i had started to like try to record like positive videos and finding yourself. And I eventually stopped doing that. I'd have people meet me at Lancaster city park to do like meditation and to do these like spiritual teachings and stuff. And, um, I just was, I was just getting really depressed and like, didn't know where to aim, aim my energy. And, uh, so I stopped doing all that. I was going to meetings. So I had a sponsor and I'd go to meetings all the time and I just got like, was that Dylan? No. Oh. It was Jeremiah. Oh. Um Yeah. So I got tired of that too. I stopped going to, to meetings. And I think I was um I was taking after like maybe like six months of like mm-hmm. full sobriety, I started taking Kratom again. But really I was just depressed. Um and then it was some point and 2018 that I started um, drinking again and I think I would occasionally take ecstasy like when you'd go to your mom's house I remember one time you'd go into your mom's house and remember you, you came back and I was like crying and I was super depressed and weird oh, yeah. yeah it was really weird because I like I think I what I did was uh, during that weekend I took I think I took ecstasy because I was on wait that had to be before because I was on methadone this was when I was off methadone oh or wait no (laughs) I'm all confused now from because 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 I got off of methadone in 2017 so that had to be before. Okay. I'm sorry.
0: I, I really can't help because I it's all a blur. But okay. That's so, why I keep skipping so, around so much. So,
1: yeah. So, actually, <laughs> never mind. That, that This this memory I'm thinking of when I was crying and stuff like that, that was actually when I was on methadone. So that was before. That was in between 2016 and 2017. Okay. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, at this point, I was off methadone and it was 2018 and... This was the towards the end of my mom's life, and she was getting sicker and sicker as the days went on, and um, I I started uh, just drinking alcohol in the daytime, and uh, doing coke. Um, yeah, I would I would pick up you know coke every so often. I had a tab with the coke dealer, and uh, I never really did coke, but um, I I did at this point. I don't really have anything. I don't really feel like Coke is a really, like, powerful drug. But, I mean, apparently it is, because to a lot of people it is. But to me, I just feel like it was, like, a very mild drug. Um, Out of all the drugs I did, it was probably, you know, like, one of the lowest in its strength of power over me. Um, It was... I don't know. Like, it's not like it actually made me really feel better, really. I just still did it for whatever reason. Um, But I was drinking alcohol and doing Coke, and I was... I got to a point where I'd, I'd drink every day, I'd drink alcohol every day, all day for, like, a couple months straight. And, um, I didn't really, I still didn't really drink a lot, but I would drink throughout the day. So I would have, like, you know, a, a, a shot, you know, every few hours throughout the day. And then maybe at night I would drink a little more, I don't, I don't really recall. But so I had a, a drinking problem and a coke problem, and then I just knew that my mental health was gonna just continue to go down, or I was gonna start doing other drugs that I actually preferred because I was I was trying to stay away from my my main drugs that you know had had me before, which was opiates or benzos or meth. So I was trying to stay away from all those. So. What I what I do? I would take ecstasy and coke and alcohol, which is all the things I could. So at no point in my drug using was it really like a specific drug. It was more so the fact of taking something because my mental health wasn't well.
0: Yeah, it was just to basically like survive. So just- yeah,
1: you know, all of it was really just to try to maintain my normal life and be okay with my normal life because I was not generally okay with... Having to like go to work and to live. It was a really, uh, yeah, I was just depressed. It was depressed, like just pure at its form it as depression and feeling like ne- nothing was ever gonna get better. Um. So at some point during the summer, wait, now I'm getting confused again. <laughs> when did my mom die? September okay okay so then so it was after my mom died that i actually ended up going in to get to the hospital because she wasn't alive when this happened so this was like right after my mom died okay so i, I really- was drinking and doing coke i think during the time
0: we're gonna have to pause it again because i sense somebody getting into mischief out there
1: yeah i knew he's at the door
0: okay the fun of being parents
1: so all right so uh, we've had uh issues with the recording and then also our daughter came to the door so we had to take a break yeah she
0: was like trying to break in even though it wasn't even locked she was like just being silly
1: (laughs) so yeah it's some of the times are getting confused together it's hard to actually recall what year everything was but i think i've generally put it together now but
0: Well, yeah, and for the most part, I mean, this is mostly just to kind of give our background and stuff. If it's not, like, actually according to the timeline, it's okay. It's mainly just, you know, background stuff.
1: Yeah. So, I, I was on methadone from 2016 to 2017. 2017, I went to detox. And then from 2017 to 2018, I remained sober. Um and then it was in 2018. I actually think it might have been around when, I think it was right around when my mom passed that I started drinking again. So that must be what it was. So I was basically good up for like that year, but then when my mom passed, I um, I started drinking again. And um, for a couple, like two months I was drinking and then doing the coke. And then it was towards the end of 2018, um, when I was, uh, when I went to the hospital, I was trying to get, I don't know what I wanted, I either wanted to go to rehab, but I didn't want to, you know, go to rehab again, but I just wanted, I don't know, I just wanted help, but going to the hospital for that is definitely not the way to do it, because they don't care, generally, I mean, I'm not saying the people don't care, but the system doesn't generally care, like, I feel like if you have a problem with drugs and you're having mental health issues and you go to the hospital for help, I feel like they should be able to help you. I feel like they should have somewhere they can send you, but they don't. They just really don't. And that's kind of weird to go petition the, the <laughs> no, I'm But no, <laughs> it's sad though. Cause like, if, you know, if, if you're doing drugs and having mental health issues, you go to the hospital, they just say, oh, you're doing drugs. Can't get out of here. You know? Yeah. Stop doing the drugs. That's you're
0: what... just a drug addict. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so so that didn't I went to the Palmdale Hospital and that guy just was like wouldn't even deal with me just oh we're not a rehab get out of here um and then I went to the the AV hospital and at uh, that night there was like this huge shooting and there was like people being brought like people with gunshots being brought in and then there was like all of these people being really loud in the lobby that knew the guy that got shot cops would come in they were trying to interview people oh that was bad so yeah, this was, this was late in the year, 2018, and, um, they gave me the, uh, I think it might have been Librium, so I took the Librium, and I stopped drinking immediately, I felt like I had a new lease on life, because I was just, like, scared that I was going down this really dark road again, so when they gave me the Librium, I went home, I had a plan, and I took the Librium, and then, um, I remember at that time, I think my dad, he would give me the Ativan. It was my mom. My mom's Ativan for sleep oh, at I night. Oh, I remember
0: you would ask him for that. And he'd yeah. be like, oh, what? Like, but he would yeah. still give it to you. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: I, I would take that at nighttime. But, I mean, it's not like he would give it to me, like, all, like, in the day or something. Hey, I don't know. I just, I was extra needy at that time. But I don't think it caused anything bad. But, yeah, so there was that. And then... Somewhere between twenty, the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019, I had become a heroin addict again.
0: (laughs) And was this like your progression to the next like phase of the? Okay, yeah, this is
1: my progression to the next phase of my addiction. So I ended up ordering the. So when I was when I was coming off of the alcohol and stuff, my brain, in my mind, I'm thinking I just wanted benzos. Because if you don't know benzodiazepines work in the brain very similar to alcohol and if you're withdrawing from one you could take the other and it will somehow give you relief so in my mind I was like I'm going to order this you know this uh, research chemical benzo and it's going to unlock the secrets of the universe and it's going to make everything better <laughs> which definitely not the case but I, so I ordered that I got that and I, I took it and I didn't really go crazy with it or anything but Uh, When I took it, when you take benzos, makes you just feel like you can make uh, any decision you want and anything's okay. So I think I said I was gonna go to a AA meeting and I really went and made poppy CT. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, really bad. I would make. I went. So I made poppy CT.
0: Well, yeah, because I think I remember finding that like in your car, and I'm like, why are you making this? I thought this was like some old thing that you did, and you would like, like if you. I felt like you kind of like quote unquote grew out of it or something. So I'm like, why do you have all this stuff in your trunk?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. Um, but no, the time you found that stuff in the trunk was because I was in case I ever like ran out of uh, opiates, then I would use oh. that if I was gonna if I was gonna withdraw. Oh, I think I got a bunch because I was gonna try and detox myself off of <laughs> the heroin. But anyways, we're not there yet. Um, so. So yeah, I got that benzo, and then I started taking poppy CT. tea. And then the the poppy seeds were good, so I was, you know, I was addicted in a sense I was getting addicted to poppy seed tea. And I was taking poppy seed tea toward till towards the end of twenty towards the end of twenty eighteen. And so I was having that like every day again and I was still I was working just my pest control job because so I'd quit at this point I had quit um or went on a leave of absence from Walmart, when I went to the hospital, I went to leave a message from Walmart and I didn't okay. want to go back. And I was working in my pest control job just like a few hours here and there, and uh, yeah, I was drinking the, the poppy seed tea, which I think I've already explained it before, but basically it's morphine and codeine and a bunch of other alkaloids that are in, in natural opium, and yeah, I was addicted to, to opiates again, but through the poppy seed tea, and um. I think it was at some point before twenty nine, the end of twenty nineteen. I, uh, what's it called? I, uh, started doing heroin again. And once you are on an opiate, you could transition to heroin very easily because it's just the natural progression of things. Um, heroin is is diacetic morphine, so it's just a different form of morphine. And yeah, so I transitioned to heroin again, and I was smoking it. Um, and then at towards the end of 2019, like the last day of 2019, I was gonna move into a, a, a sober living. I was gonna detox myself, but I couldn't tell you. I was too scared to tell you that I was gonna be coming off of, basically coming off of poppy CT, because that's what at that point I was really what I was addicted to. I'd only, I had transitioned to the heroin, but I'd only been using it for, I don't know, maybe a few days or a week or something. But um, I couldn't get myself to to tell you so I just told you I was going to move out and go to a sober living because I just I didn't feel I don't know what I said
0: like you didn't feel confident you felt like you were going to mess up or something yeah I didn't feel confident
1: in my sobriety (laughs) and I was like okay yeah so so I just I just moved out um I moved out uh to the to sober living so I can detox myself and when um Right before I moved out, I I had uh, injected heroin for the first time. Actually, that wasn't the first time. The first I, time it was with Eddie. Yeah. The, I don't want to bring in people's names, but...
0: I thought you already said his name.
1: Maybe. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I, in my mind, I was, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be coming off of everything anyways. So I might as well get the most of what I have. And so that was when I um, used a needle or a syringe for, for the heroin. So I I did that. That was the last day that I I used, and then I moved to the sober living, and I detoxed myself. And I actually did detox myself there. But um, yeah, I think I detoxed maybe like there like a week or so. I remember I'd come over to Daniel's house with Dan, and I'd watch that movie You with him in the Netflix.
0: Oh, the show.
1: Yeah. Oh. That was in the beginning of 2019. That was when I yes, oh. and that was when I saw that movie Ralph, whatever Wreck It Ralph. Wreck It Ralph oh, at the theaters. Okay. Yeah. So so I. Well,
0: 2018, October 2018 was the very first time I went to an in-person Naranon meeting.
1: Okay, so that, <laughs> that's when your your recovery started. Very, um, and it's
0: infant, in, infant. But yeah, phases. so shor-
1: shortly after I moved to the. The sober living, I detoxed myself, and I was like, you know, I was sick, I was still working, but I was just kind of like, you know, not, I was, yeah, I wasn't good, I was, I was really sick, it was really difficult to eat food, Uh, I was just, it was just a mess. At some point, after like a week or so of being at the sober living, I started doing heroin again, and that point was when it got really bad, because I had more freedom, because I wasn't living with you, so um my my use became dealing and i was able to like i was able to get like uh, i was able to use a lot because i was able to sell a lot and i became like a full-time uh drug dealer and user and uh at that point i was i was using you know meth and heroin uh iv and uh and taking benzos every day. So I would take Xanax or or Valium or whatever um, every day. And I was using meth and heroin every day. And my use got really high. So like, it was just like, it was just a bad situation because it reinforces itself when you're, when you can, you know, a lot of people, more people you know that use it, the more you can sell it, the more you can get it. And so I had a really high habit at that point, probably using multiple grams of heroin a day. And yeah, it got got really bad at that point. Um this leads up to twenty the beginning of twenty nineteen. I don't remember what month it was, but I went to detox.
0: That was around the time of Easter, because I remember you came you went to Detox and then you came out but you weren't ready or you still felt like yucky so you took benzos and then that's what caused you to do that whole thing with the whole easter
1: episode yeah that was more than benzos but yeah
0: well, that's what you told that's me. That's what anyways. I told
1: everyone. Yeah, because I wasn't admitting I was using uh, heroin again.
0: But what I know. But like, it made sense to me because I guess you were saying that you were like forgetting things and you were just like really out of character. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, like that makes sense for pencils, I guess. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't. It really didn't matter. But the point with that was when you did that whole thing where you were like telling your family all these things about me, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like that didn't even happen. I thought everything. was fine. I said you fine. were being
1: accusatory. and I know. All I'm this like, stuff.
0: everything's fine. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just bad. I was just. The whole thing with Easter was just all bad. I was using benzo's, but it was just Cause it was like, a nightmare,
0: yeah, 'cause like on Easter it was when we went to your sister's house and then they had like people over like extended family, and you were like, you came over and it was weird, we weren't talking. You went and talked with Dan in his room for like a while, and I remember like eavesdropping, so I wanted to know what you were saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place, so that was bad, so that was uh I went to detox and then so I came back from from detox and I still lived in the sober living. And I ended up just... After getting back there, I ended up just uh, doing the same thing all over again. I was dealing again. And that went on for a while. Because a, a, a good part of 2019... When was the second time I went to detox in 2019? That
0: was later in the year. Because... I'm, I'm confused. Did you go three times that year? No. Okay, because I guess then the second time...
1: Oh, no, no. I, no, I did because... At the end of 2019 was when I went to the final rehab where I got sober this Yeah, time. but I
0: knew that, that was there had to be one before then and after or before Easter or something. There had to be three times because you went to...
1: I went to two detoxes. And which then was I in went Pomona. To, yeah. And
0: then you went to the one that was in LA. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so, yeah, I went to rehab or detox three times in 2019. But, yeah, after the first time I came back, I was still living at the Sober Living... And I just started doing the same thing again. I started dealing again. And, uh... Yeah. And then one time I... S- oh, yeah. Then I went to... So, after I went to the detox the second time... At, wa- at one point, I couldn't see Nudie because you wouldn't let me see her. That was the first time I went to detox because it was her birthday. It was her third yes, birthday. Yes.
0: I did not let you go to... So, yeah. I
1: won- at one point, uh, she basically kind of said, like, you can't see us if if you're still using. And I was...
0: Which, it actually happened her... Was that her third birthday? Because I remember... Yeah, it was her third okay. birthday. I
1: remember it was her third birthday. Okay. Um, Because, basically, I admitted that I was using, but I didn't have, like, a plan to to stop. And, like, like this and, like, was I, getting... I couldn't. I was so deep at that point.
0: And 2019 was, yes, I was going to Naranon, but also, like, on a different level, I had realized that, like... Because every time we would relapse and, and go to, like, a rehab or whatever, I was like, okay, we're going to do it this way. But 2019, after all those years, I was running out of options of, like, things that I could do to help. Like, okay, I'm going to help you detox myself. Because remember, that was the year that we got methadone and I detoxed you at home. There was, like, okay, well, I'm
1: going to... That was towards the end of the year.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to, you know, do it this way. Or I'm not going to take you to rehab this time. Or I'm not going to visit you this time. Or I'm not going to do this. Or we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And so 2019 was, like, the year, like, at the end, that was when I had... Exhausted every single option that I could think of and the only other one was just to like, well, we aren't there yet, but anyways, okay, so you weren't at Nudie's third birthday.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I remember that because I, I had, I didn't have my Kaiser insurance anymore, so I had to like call in to like this 1-800 number for LA County and get into uh, a place and I did, I did that on my own and then I never even I didn't even talk to you for, like, the week before I went in. So I was just, like, living on my own, on my own, and we weren't talking. And when I would come over to, like, wash my clothes, you'd have to, like, hide from me.
0: Yep, I locked the the door that led from the house to the garage, and you were not allowed to come in. And I remember I was talking to my sponsor one time, and I had to, like, stop talking to her because I was, like, crying. Because I saw you park on the side of the house and walk up to the front. And, like, it, it just killed me because, like, I couldn't... Well, I mean, like, I could, but, you know, like, in my mind, I couldn't see you or talk to you. And it just sucked. Yeah, it sucked. I hated it. But I, I, I felt that it was the best thing for us at the time. And Nuni was like, okay with it. I was like, oh yeah, dad is here. We can't see him. Okay. Like I, I, cause I tried to make it as she gets older and as she gets more, you know, like cognizant of things and stuff. Like I always made sure to like explain things as best I could at her level. You know like I was never like well we can't see Dada because he's bad or you know like I, I would never do things like that I tried to like show her like okay he's not here right now you know based on her age I would just try to explain it like okay you know like as she got older he's sick or you know he's just he's at the doctors or he's just not good right now or you know like whatever like kind of things like that because I didn't want her to think that it had anything to do with like her and I didn't want her to think that like there was any kind of like negative feelings between us or whatever, and I didn't want it to be like, you know, I didn't want it to become like a power play or anything. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of like digressed, but <laughs> yeah. So,
1: so yeah, the, the, well, I'll just start with the the first the first detox in in uh, twenty nineteen was is so awful because I. When I went there, I of course told them that I was taking a much higher dose of benzos than I was, because that's what you do when you go to detoxes, so you can get more drugs. But it actually was bad on me because not I'd never been to this detox before. I didn't know how they did it, but they they just gave me so many drugs and so many pills that I was like, like I was like I felt like I was in a coma. I remember the the nurse coming in and picking up my arm and dropping it on me and saying something's not right with him, and I was just like. It's just like something isn't right with him. His blood pressure is is really low. And I just couldn't, like, I just didn't have the energy to get up and eat. And there wasn't, like, a place where you would go eat at this place. So, like, they'd just bring the food to your room. And I just had, like, no, I was just, like, completely lifeless. And even when I would walk, I would get, like, so lightheaded from walking. I couldn't walk. And, oh, it was awful. The rehab was so, oh, it was so awful. But, uh, I think I ended up, I ended up, like, breaking out of there. And I was, like, unshaven, that... and my dad had to come oh, pick me up. Yeah. I didn't have a phone. Yes. I, had to, like, I had to I had to ask a taco place for food because I was hungry, and I was super weak. Like, I was so weak. And I, like, I had to ask them for free food. I told them, like, look, I don't have any money, but I'm hungry. The, luckily, the taco place gave me food. They let me use their phone. My dad I think was, I
0: got a text from you, and I was like, well, I don't want to... Like, what? What do you mean you're leaving early? Like, that's not. I didn't, yeah, that was, I was the second
1: time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I didn't have a phone this time, so I couldn't text anybody. Oh. Um. So then my dad picked me up from that time, and I think from there, I went. I went back. I went back to sober living, and then, at some point in time, I started using using drugs again and started all over again, and then the second time. I went to that same place I don't even remember how
0: how did you do that because you couldn't go twice within a six-month period
1: it wasn't I don't think it was a six-month period
0: so it must have been longer than that I but, think there was like something it, it and was you within would, the
1: same year though
0: but you, I think the way it worked out was that you had like just barely missed the cutoff for six months I remember. I think you were like, "Oh wow, you know, like I just barely made it," because it's been like it was like you know, let's just say like January to like June or something random like that, where like it you made it.
1: Yeah. For, however it worked out, I was able to go back again. And then yeah, this time we, me and you were on better terms, and I had pictures of you and Nudie and. Oh yeah. Stuff. Okay. Yeah, I remember that was when you guys took me. Oh and yeah, then and that's when you guys I... were you lost your debit card, and you were like screaming at me before I went in. Oh yeah, because I was uh,
0: not happy. But yeah, I oh it was my in...
1: goodness, you were so mad at me. I was so oh so that was so rough.
0: I know. So yeah. So
1: that time, I think I was planning on staying, but like I just couldn't get myself to stay there. It's just yeah. So I ended up. That was the time I left, and I texted you. I don't think you picked me up though. I think my dad must have got me.
0: Yeah, cause I didn't. Didn't I say that I wasn't going to? Like, I'm not gonna get you or something.
1: Yeah, but maybe <laughs> I don't remember. But anyways, I we went to a I went to a different sober living, and then I ended up leaving there after not too long.
0: Oh, that was with, that was Stillwaters. And I was talking to the the owner, yeah. Because you were, he was like, "Oh well, yeah, he's acting like really weird." I'm like, "No, I think he, I mean, as far as I know, he's fine." And then yeah, he, then I and
1: left and told you the reason I left because the guy was lame, but it yeah, really like, he, he was gonna drug test me, yeah. And then that then I moved back into the original sober living, which had like no rules, yeah. And then that's when I went on like uh, I was like up for like three days. straight. And we went to
0: go like try to visit you to go to the gym, and you were like in the car and you were like I could tell that you were just like so I gone. was up for, I was
1: up for three days and I was just yeah it was an absolute disaster and somebody stole my laptop and then it was from there that um I think I stayed in that sober living for like a, like a day or two more because I said I needed to sleep and then you told me I needed to go home because you didn't feel safe with me out there which was good
0: yeah, because you told me later on that like somebody had to do the job that I usually did, which was that guy that stayed up with you all night to make sure that you were breathing.
1: Yeah, because uh, yeah, I, I was I was on drugs and I was up for a couple days.
0: And like by that point, I was just like, well, I can't. Like, this, this is just stupid. Like, I you're like it's not nothing's working. Yeah, I'm like okay, well, fine. And then after a while, and I'm like, okay, no, actually, I think you need to come home. And then because I think so like you're, when I
1: when I came home, I was drunk. And that was when I was, like, cussing at you.
0: And I told your dad, I'm like, look, if you don't, like, take care of this, I'm going to call the cops because he's irritating me and he's annoying me.
1: And then you left. And then... Then, yeah, because... I I was there with my dad, just my dad. And then that's when I went to the rehab that I...
0: Yeah, and I left you the note on the toilet. And then you left me an angry note on my bed. And I remember reading it. I remember reading it. You were laughing. And I was laughing because I'm like, it's working. Because... I I wanted you to be mad at me because I knew that if you were mad at me, that means that I was doing something that was like not what I would usually do because I had at that point exhausted all of my options and I was just like, Screw this. I literally have nothing else to do except just like tell you like, Okay, figure it out. I don't know. I can't but, I can't help you anymore.
1: But <laughs> but but before that point, um you had detox 'cause we it was there was a while from when I left the rehab where um I was like using it again, and then, uh, then you you detoxed me on the methadone.
0: And I gave you cherry yeah. cough syrup. So
1: we actually we picked up methadone to detox me, and I detoxed at the house, and I slept for like days. And
0: I remember you told me, you, oh, like,
1: and that's I got a new job again.
0: Oh, when you were Dale?
1: Yeah, with the, yeah, with the, <laughs> got a new job with an unknown person at An unknown company, and
0: oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it's not. I, I, I'm not giving I any, I know it's fine. Okay. Um,
1: and uh, yeah, I got that job, and I was still using at that point somehow, and I got let go of that job really quickly. Um, and then well,
0: were you like, or did you quit because you knew you can? I could have swore you quit. I don't know, I guess it really doesn't matter, but
1: it's like a, a mutual agreement. I don't know,
0: but they were really nice about it. I mean, yeah,
1: so. There was that. And, and then, uh, it was just yeah, when you were... De- my, my relapses were getting so close together in 2019 where it was like...
0: And then, well, there was that point, too, when um, your brother brought over the fish. Because I remember that yeah. time. I remember I... I was left, in a
1: blackout there. I barely remember. Because really. you
0: left your pants... Like you were obviously wearing pants, but you also had like another pair of pants that you had like taken somewhere or something, and I remember emptying the pockets because I was going to wash them or I knew you were doing something. I just pulled out like a like a handful of syringes or something, and I was just like, what the fuck, like. I was like, oh, my God. So then I, like, confronted you about it. And you don't – by that point, you didn't even do anything. You're like, you know, I'm just going to I'm just gonna leave. Like, you, you don't want to yeah. be around me. I'm just going to leave. And I was like, no, no, you get back here. And I remember calling you and, like, texting you and just being like, I didn't even have anything to say. I would just call you and I would just, like, cry. And, like, I finally convinced you to come back to the house. And I was like, Dan, can you come over? It's like, I need to talk to him and this and that. And then there was points, too, where, like – your dad and your brother wanted you to go, and I was yeah. like, well, no, you
1: They were going to try to get the police to take me. <laughs>
0: yes, and it was just so bad. And I remember when we detoxed you at home, though, I remember you looked at me, and you said, like, something like, if I ever do this again, like, don't, don't do, like, basically not to support you in doing that anymore. Yeah, You're like, like, just, just don't.
1: don't. Yeah, don't even try again. I just, I need to, like, figure it out.
0: And so I was like, okay, fine. So then the next time that happened, I was like, yeah, you know, like, for me, with my experiences, like, I literally have done every single thing I could like the only thing I haven't done yet is just like tell you to leave and actually like tell you to figure it out on your own and plus when you said that I'm like okay well that's another sign I guess I should probably do that this time and I told you and then you went to rehab and I told you like even when you were there like okay if you leave here I'm not gonna help you like if you leave here like Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're going to have to figure it out on your own. Like, I'm not helping you find another place. I'm not going to, like, hang out with you or whatever. Like, you're not just going to come back to your dad's house and we're just going to live together and pretend like everything's fine or whatever. And you left me that angry letter. I remember laughing. And we couldn't communicate. And I don't even know how long. Because normally when you would go to the other place, it would be like a week or something. And we'd have it all... Planned out, but I didn't know how long the blackout period was. I had no idea where you were. I didn't know what the rehab was called. Yeah, 'cause
1: my dad took me.
0: Yeah, I didn't. And normally we would talk before then, but I yeah, wasn't we talking, talking to you, and so I'm like, I don't know. And then like randomly, so this, was, I this got, was October, yeah, of
1: 2019.
0: And so randomly, I got like this this email that said that I somebody had used my email address to sign up for a 5K.
1: I did that on purpose. I you know, knew I was at the 5K. I know.
0: And so then it was the rise up to addiction. 5k. Yeah, I did that. And so then once I figured that out, I found out where you were cuz I had enough information to like figure it out or whatever. And yeah, and like it sucked because I remember going to like trick or treating with Nudie cuz it was around Halloween. I went and did that by myself cuz that was like a day or two after you left, so I was still all emotional and everything. I remember that Halloween was freezing. But um but yeah, so there was that.
1: And then when I when I got there, they put me on suicide watch cuz I was like but you wrote me a, a le-
0: yeah, but you wrote me a letter and said that you had your own private shower that you were happy about because <laughs> you, yeah. your thing is to just sit in the shower and
1: and you know yeah, know. and then um, it was so so I, I went to that that place and this you know the, again with the rehabs when you you get when you're on medical is a lot different than you get on private insurance but um, yeah it was there that they put me on Suboxone. And then and you I'm didn't glad, you want to tell me at first. I yeah, I definitely didn't want to tell you at first. But I'm glad they did because it seemed to work. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that kind of leads up towards now. The uh, beginning of... So I actually ended up leaving that rehab because that rehab was just... It was like crooked. It was like wrong. It was like cultic. It was called... Yeah, I'll say the name of that place. It's called ADAP. It's Asian American something. Asian American oh. Rehab. Of America, <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, it was just like they were they were really the the counselors and the people they were just really mean and they would they would do things that were just I just felt like were wrong.
0: Which is funny because I thought that was like a relatively good one until you told me about that. Cause I'm like they have a dog here and they have turtles. Yeah, <laughs> they just were.
1: Yeah, they did. They were just kind of cruel and they would like kind of like almost like how like the guards in a prison will kind of like ch- check the inmates and say you know we're in control if you guys yeah so they did that and um one time they they got they made me like have to like get up at like did these different times in the morning like really early in the morning to do all these chores and got in trouble for something that I didn't even feel like I was responsible for like you can't have an alarm clock or anything um but apparently like in the mornings I uh if I didn't get up and go out to eat breakfast then I'd get in trouble but I was like I was telling them like look I want breakfast. I need to eat breakfast. I don't ever purposely don't go to breakfast. So it's not my responsibility if I'm not awake in the morning. I can't wake myself up when I'm sleeping. But anyways, yeah. So I ended up uh, leaving and...
0: And I didn't want to come get you. Plus, because I was working, I think.
1: No, I took a I took a train back.
0: Yeah, that was when you carried like your espresso machine. And... Yeah, I got a
1: I won a free espresso machine and I carried that back. And I think I... I came back to the house for, like, a couple days.
0: Yeah, that's when we went to go see Frozen 2.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then um, I found that a friend of mine that was in the rehab, that he went to a place called God's Property. And um, so I went back down to L.A. and it was free to start. So I went to the place and they sent me to a... a, This was a sober... It was a rehab, but a sober living. It's basically a sober living in (laughs) Inglewood. And, uh, so that was the beginning. Actually, I think that was the end of 2019. And then I was on blackout for, like, a couple months, um, into 2020.
0: And you were still on blackout when you technically got your first job.
1: Yeah, and then, um, I was able to get a phone there, so I got a free Obama phone. And on that Obama phone, I got a ZipRecruiter, and I within cuz I had a, I still had a license a Pesco license and so I got a job at critter control in the beginning of 2020 and uh yeah that we at that point my my expenses in the beginning of 2020 were much lower than my income at critter control so we were able to just save money um and then you know towards the
0: And then, okay, so towards the beginning of 2020 is when I decided that I was going to start a blog.
1: Oh, okay. That's when
0: I started doing that. That's the blog
1: that we're on now.
0: Yeah. So I, and that was kind of like a learning curve too because like I kind of had to like figure out like what I was going to post and how I was going to post it because I posted one thing and you were like, you probably shouldn't post that because it was fairly recent and whatever. So like I kind of had to learn like, I kind of equip, it. what's the right word? I kind of like made similarities to like I really like Taylor Swift's music and you know like everybody knows that she writes songs about like her life and her ex-boyfriends and stuff so I had to make it kind of like that where like you know she doesn't make a bunch of songs where she trashes her exes she does it in like you know a nice way but still like is able to paint a story so that's what I kind of wanted my blog to be about like I didn't I mean like I never really trashed him anyways but like I didn't want to make it about like him and like the things that he did and blah 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 it was more of just like you know isolated incidents or just like general topics where I would explain like how I related to it and how I experienced it and stuff because I mean that's the whole reason that I told them that I wanted to do a podcast anyways and like we wanted to do this together and why do my blog to begin with because I feel like in general with everything it's like so depressing it's so depressing which is fine you know that people have their own ways of telling their stories and that's fine I'm not like knocking anything you know but just for me personally my thing is that I wanted to show like okay you know he is his own person and he had his things and his mistakes or his learning curves or whatever with anything you know drug related but like that doesn't define like anything negative to like now you know and like it doesn't define our relationship that much now if anything it was just something to kind of like start a learning process of its own to get us to where we are now like it's not something that I like wake up and think about like 24 7 I don't I'm not at a place anymore where I wake up and I'm like oh my god is he gonna do drugs today you know like I and I was like that for a long time but it's my whole point of doing that is just showing that like it doesn't have to be doom and gloom for the rest of your life like I'm in a relationship with a recovering drug addict and it's so hard, but you know, I just work through it because, you know, I want it to work. It's not like that. And it doesn't have to be like that because our situation shows that, you know, like it's, it's just normal life through, you know, the lens of what we experience. And I feel like the more we talk about it and make it seem a little bit more normal, I guess it's like my goal of trying to, you know, show that it's not just some life sentence of misery you know
1: and i feel like you you kind of making your recovery more about how how you are handling you helped me in the end
0: yeah you know because like everybody will say like don't enable them like what does that mean and then i show like a story this is what i did or whatever and like you know and like people will tell you certain things like you know oh well from my vantage point don't do this or do this or whatever but my whole thing is like you kind of have to experience it for yourself and if you do things that people might not agree with or maybe aren't say aren't right you know it kind of some things yes are tried and true and you're going to have to experience that on your own and figure it out or whatever and which is fine because you have to experience it for yourself but there are some things where like it just it doesn't it's not the same for everybody you know like everybody not everybody goes to NA meetings and recovers and it's fine like you don't go to NA meetings all the time yeah, it's- like it's not or like I stopped going to Naranon because we ended up moving With and plus with like COVID and everything we weren't doing in person meetings anyways and so it was like phone meetings and then it was Zoom and it just became too hard like with my commute and everything but like I was taught that like I have to go to Naranon meetings every single whenever you know for the rest of my life or I'm not working on my recovery but like I, I don't feel like That's completely necessary. I don't feel like I'm a failure and like I'm gonna regress back into my old ways now that I'm not going anymore. I'm still doing things that are working for me, that are personal to me, that work for me, that make me, you know, a better person. I'm not stagnating because that's another thing, too, is that like in the past, whenever you go to rehab, I would have like these glimpses of like being independent and on my own. And then I would start doing something. Let's say I was like journaling or meditating or something. And I would have like this, this pretty good chunk of time where I was doing stuff. But then as soon as you came back, I would just very easily fall back into my old ways, which was then, you know, start the whole snowball effect of like how my stuff would hurt your stuff and and going on from there. But now, you know, like no matter what, since that point in 2019, I just continued doing what I was doing and making sure that I was always staying on top of things. And so... I don't feel like there is one certain way that you have to do things in order to recover and if you don't do that one thing then you're just setting yourself up for failure and i feel like like that belief kind of keeps a lot of people back from actually achieving recovery or success or whatever you know like
1: yeah like i like this this time around i i I always thought you know if i was going to get sober for any period of time and be mentally well that i was going to be You know, I would have, I had to be going to meetings all the time and I'd be involved and I would have sponsees and I would be a sponsor. But this time around, I I don't do any of that. And um, I'm a little bit over a year and a half sober. So it doesn't, I mean, the times that I was going to meetings, I always ended up not doing well. Not saying the meetings caused that, but it just goes to show that there's really no one right way for anybody to, to go into recovery
0: yeah and like i don't the second time or or the last time around you know i was not like well you need to be going to meetings because like or you need to be doing this or i need to be on top of that because since you were so far away so to speak like in la or whatever for the rehab then you stayed out in la to do your sober living and stuff it kind of forced me to keep on my you know, path of not being so hands-on and stuff because I wasn't, I wasn't close enough. So I'm like, you know what, like whatever, I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know what time you get off of work. I don't know what you're doing or if you're going to meetings or whatever, if they have meetings at the house, like it's on, it's in your own hands. Like I can't do anything. And so Narnan really helped, you know, that whole time period and everything. But, but yeah, you know, like I, I just want to be, you know, like I want us to be another example of like how things could go and stuff because we didn't follow everything by the book the last time around. I, I follow things by the book as much as I could for a long time and I feel like it didn't really work, so to speak. So so yeah, I mean, since, you know, I started my blog, that was, I don't even know, maybe like this time last, geez, what year is it? Yeah, this time last year, I started that and uh yeah, it's kind of just been... Going up from there, you know, you had your job at Critter Control, and then as the months went by, um, we just felt like it was time to move. We found... Um, well, we
1: moved in together.
0: Yeah, we we found that it was like, because I didn't want you to come back. One, because like things are kind of just like getting switched around a lot at your dad's house. And, you know, I just didn't want to like kind of go back into that old pattern. And plus, it really wouldn't have worked for your job because you were working primarily in L.A., so I'm like, okay, well, this is just another push to kind of go somewhere new. So we ended up moving kind of like halfway between Palmdale and, and L.A. Yeah. And so we just kind of picked a place that we thought was kind of out of our price range. But we ended up figuring it out. We found an apartment and got approved in like four days. And um, then we got married. Yeah. And then we started planning our wedding, which, of course, is another thing where it's like, ooh, you know, like he's only been sober for like you know, a couple of months. Like, are you sure you want to start doing that? But it, it felt right. And it was just, for the most part, um, pretty easy. I mean, the whole virus thing didn't really help with planning that yeah. and everything. But, I mean... Well, we had
1: a year to...
0: Because we thought it was going to be over by then, but it, that that was not the case. But, you know, but in terms of, like, our relationship and stuff, you know, like, everything was fine, you know? And I just had to be okay with, you know, making decisions like that and, like...
1: And then at the same time at the wedding, it was when I was switching jobs at the same time. Yeah, and then
0: you found a better job because your other job was stressful. And, you know, we kind of made that work. And basically, this whole experience, I'll use the same analogy, as as I told our therapist, Brandon. It's kind of like being on a motorcycle. Because, like, my parents got a motorcycle, I don't even know how long ago. And for me, when you're you're riding on a motorcycle, my... natural instinct when you turn on a motorcycle is to try to stand up straight because when you turn you're to me it feels like you're like getting very close to like losing your balance and falling on the ground so I would try to stand up straight that is not what you're supposed to do when you're on a motorcycle and you turn you lean into it and that helps to keep the stability which makes no sense but that's how you do it so for my whole life you know with him I was always trying to stand up sit up straight on the motorcycle like I would be on a motorcycle with him always trying to sit up straight but I realized that you kind of have to lean into it or lean into whatever situation you're in instead of trying to correct the boat or correct the motorcycle or correct what you think should happen and if you lean into it and actually figure out you know like what Figure out what you need to do to actually continue to go. That's how you do it You know, you lean into the spontaneity of where we are now or like for me I leaned into my situation and stopped trying to fight it and actually took the time to You know relax into it figure out what I needed to do and move on from there Because if I didn't do that I was just constantly fighting the natural way that things were gonna go whether or not I wanted him to relapse or I wanted him to Do certain things that's what was happening. So I had to adjust and figure out how to do things in a way that was best for me to keep going to where things would then correct themselves, and then, you know, I would be much more stable coming out of it. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: So that's where we are now, basically.
0: Yeah, everybody's good. Nudie went through a little phase there of uh, where I took her to therapy, and it turns out that, you know, she wasn't doing anything, like, specific. I just was like, hey, maybe, you know, that now she's getting older, we should probably kind of, like, Make sure she's good. But yeah, everything's fine with her. She um, will say every now and then that, you know, like, oh yeah, dad, I went to rehab. And it's, it's a thing. It's not anything strange. It's just, yeah, you went to rehab. Yep. And uh, whenever we talk about it, which is not very often, but if it ever comes up, it's always very natural. It's nothing, nothing strange. Um, In that time since, I mean, everybody kind of just looks from the outside in and i mean they've seen that we've been doing better and everybody's excited for us um things with my family are really good they are i mean it's weird i feel like on every possible level things are like the best that they could be yeah which is really it's it's just strange how things have managed to take a turnaround that quickly
1: because it was, like, the worst of the worst in 2019 to, like, the best of the best in yeah. 2020.
0: you know, like, we got married. Like, you know, our loved ones went to the wedding. And, you know, like, they gave speeches about how great things are and how, you know, close we all are now. And and just, like, with everything. I just, like I said, I feel like we are the best possible versions of ourselves right now. Which, I, I mean, I can honestly say that. And, yeah, so now I just... I just want
1: to... I just want to preach it to the rest of the world. I just
0: want to share, because like, like I said, I just want to share it so that other people can hear different perspectives on things, you know, well, like...
1: And a lot of times a common perspective is like, you know, if the addict is using specific drugs, then you might as well just get out now and...
0: Yeah, or like, oh, if you take Suboxone, you're just using a Band-Aid. Like, you know, it, it, All of these preconceived notions about things really don't do anything but hold us back you know like oh well he's not going to meetings so you might as well pack your bags he must not be serious about recovery or you're not in recovery you're not doing naranon still oh you need to be doing that for the rest of your life you know it's just all these little things like no one's story is exactly the same as somebody else's you know and the more that we talk about things like this and the more the more examples that we have about this i feel like are helpful so yeah so that's the uh end of that and he walked outside to check on nudie again because it's been a while that we've been here (laughs) but yeah so that's pretty much it we are just um sharing our story but now that we got all this background information done now we can move on to specific topics which was the goal that i had in mind so yeah well thank you for Sharing with me and helping me piece together this really crazy timeline because it's all a blur to me again.
1: Uh, yeah, I still don't know what happened.
0: <laughs> but yeah, but um.
1: Until next time.
0: Yeah. All right, I'm gonna drag this on for too long. Okay, so that's it. Bye. <laughs>